0: Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 20. Yes, you heard that right, episode 20 of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast. Once again, this is your host, Greg Lindbergh. On this episode of the podcast, we are talking for the first time about blind hockey, and uh, this is quite a growing sport here in the U.S. Uh, It's been played for a long time in Canada, but it's finally making its way into this country and really picking up a lot of traction. So to help us talk about this really exhilarating sport, we have a blind hockey goalie joining us here on this episode. And uh, he also works for uh, National Industries for the Blind, so we also get into a few things about uh, employment and blind and visually impaired in terms of seeking employment and trying to uh, flatten that curve, so to speak, of the unemployment rate in the blind community. So here we go with episode 20. (laughs) okay so welcome to another episode here and uh we are talking about blind hockey on this episode of the podcast and so i have a great guest here who uh can tell us so much about this sport and he's actually a goalie in blind hockey by the name of doug goist doug welcome to the podcast hey
1: greg um it's a real privilege to be on your show i think it's a an awesome thing that you're doing with um having a podcast dedicated to, to visually impaired and blind sports, um, uh, it's going to really help get the word out on that. You know, there are a lot of activities that people, um, who have either never seen or have lost vision can, uh, you know, participate in. So I'm, I'm, um, you yeah, happy to, happy to join you in this, um, very strange time that we're in with, uh, you know, everybody on pause. Uh, so hopefully everybody's safe and healthy. In the right uh, headspace to get through this, so I know it's difficult for all of us so
0: exactly, very well said for sure. all right, so uh, let's just kind of dive into your your life and and kind of you know where you came from and all that good stuff initially. So from what I understand you you did have vision for much your childhood, correct?
1: I did I really had no direct or even indirect experience with um, vision impairment, vision loss or anything. um I grew up in the Midwest in Ohio, Youngstown, Warren area, which, you know, my grandfather was a steel worker and it, uh, over the years with the job losses and everything, it became a, 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 difficult area so you know, they call it the rust belt and so forth. But anyway, I had a great childhood and, you know, with my brother, sister and parents and played a lot of sports, even as a young kid, you know, I owe all of that. Or pretty much most of that I owe to my father who's my uh, personal hero he was a um, incredible athlete he still his high school ohio record for the long jump i know you had lex gillette on but my dad um his record has stood for 69 years wow um and you know even with rubberized tracks and everything and he was running i mean i i remember seeing his shoes they were like pieces of leather with spikes in them and they had like a cinder track and he um you know as an 18 year old did this but then you know he he played a college football was was all-american and then he was drafted by the detroit lions he never never went but anyway he he never really he never pressured my brother sister and i in getting into super competitive you know um you know you, you, you sometimes see the the fathers that might have their son they want him to be an nfl quarterback or something and they'll have him you know just doing drills at six years old or whatever so so we grew up pretty normally. Baseball. My sister swam; she was a state-ranked swimmer. Um, and then my brother and I were on state-ranked basketball teams in different years. So, so, yeah, a lot of a lot of sports. I was big into windsurfing. Um, nice. Uh, I wanted to be a surfer. <laughs> <grown> up. <laughs> so I skateboarded. You know, we were the first kids on our block with skateboards, and and then um, so uh, with all of the activities and athletics and sports and riding bicycles you know we were we were very active and out outdoors pretty much all the time um and then we lived in suburbs and my mom uh you know my dad had grown up on a farm and my my mom uh really liked the idea of getting out of this out of the suburbs so my dad bought you know 55 acres and he moved us out to country basically so hmm. um the uh you know very small school there were we didn't we didn't even have a football team anywhere we too small so uh, wow. no hockey <laughs>
0: none,
1: none of that no <laughs> hockey i used to love watching hockey on, on the olympics and uh, with my brother we went to a couple live games um so i you know I, i'd always enjoyed that i always loved watching the olympics um especially the hockey uh different countries but um so yeah broad background um um soccer um I played first uh, singles and doubles in tennis and and then like I said basketball baseball golf those types of sports and then as far as hockey we had a little pond on our farm and uh when it froze over my brother and I just you know messed around playing pond hockey but (laughs) um that's all we had and um You know, so it was, it was a, it was a good childhood. And then I guess that leads into, um, you know, I was, uh, again, my junior year in high school on playing basketball, we were, uh, you know, it was actually summer camp and then heading into my senior year, there were a lot of expectations on the, on my team and, um. Uh, we started off really. We actually did really well, but I noticed myself I was seeming, seemingly, like um, kind of. I felt like I was not present, like kind of in a daze when I was out hmm. out uh, with my teammates. <clears throat> and a couple times, <clears throat> I had a bad, horrible Charlie horse because I collided with a teammate. His knee went into my um, thigh. Right. And then um, uh, during one game the stands were packed because we were undefeated and uh, I, I cut, I made a backdoor cut and the point guard threw me the the basketball hit me in the temple side of the head. <laughs> oh, jeez. And, uh, and the crowds, they all, you know, were laughing, of course. <laughs> and so I was just like, I was mad at the point guard, which I shouldn't have been because I'd be like, well, you, you knew I wasn't looking, why would you throw me the ball? So, <laughs> um, but, so little things like that. I, when I was playing baseball, You know, I I pitched, but I also played first base and just a ball skipped under my glove and I I looked around on the ground. I couldn't see it in the right field. I had to come all the way from right field to pick up the ball and throw it because guys were rounding the bases. So that's when I knew, you know, something was up with, I, I wasn't sure what it was. I thought it was maybe something in my brain, right? you know, brain. And so that's my parents made the wise decision to well, I went to my local ophthalmologist, and then he told them privately that um, he, uh, I should get a second opinion in the, at the Cleveland Clinic because he thinks he knows what it is. Um, and they waited till after my high school graduation party, which I think was a good move. And then I went to Cleveland Clinic, went through a whole day of battery of tests, and that's when they said. Um, which you're familiar with. I'm sure a lot of people are, you know, you have retinitis pigmentosa. um, There's, you know, there's no cure, no treatment. uh, And there's, you know, you're going to lose your vision. So that's kind of how I found out I was heading into college. So I had a lot of big plans at that time too. Not necessarily sports, but I got into Wake forest university. I was interested in medicine Research, you know, disease Hmm. research. Yeah. uh, Either, either to be a surgeon or or a researcher, and ended up in a experimental drug treatment. It was uh, out of Harvard, Boston, uh, Mass. Pioneer, and it was I was the youngest out of seven hundred subjects. To and it was turned out to be huge doses of vitamin A palmitate was one of the one of the uh, experiments there was vitamin E, vitamin A and placebo, and then a mix of the two. And, and so they, you know, it was a six year study that I was in at 18. And I asked my retinal, you know, specialist there if I should pursue med- medical school. So it was, you know, and he's pretty honest about it. Um, you know, he told me the, the, the outcome of RP. So, um, that's kind of where I shifted. Ultimately, I, uh, uh end up a, you know it's a very good liberal arts school but i ended up uh, majoring in english of all things
0: oh, wow definitely a shift <laughs>
1: <laughs> which is fine because you know i had to take college calculus and statistics and uh, i did like the, the sciences but uh, not so much the math so um english english was a was a good mix
0: Right. And I'm curious as far as, you know, did you have any accommodations, you know, later years in high school, in the college? How was your how was your vision in terms of, you know, handling all the academics and everything?
1: You know, it was I, I'm kind of sort of lucky in a way because um, it was only my peripheral vision that, that was decreasing. So I still had um, I had a very light prescription, but I, I could still see 20, 20 and I had hmm. really good color vision. Yeah. and I could see I could see four point font or six point font or whatever without um, help. So I got through like you know, again, like high school I didn't know what was going on. I played intramural basketball at college, you know you know when I was probably almost you know in, you know legal blindness is twenty um, two hundred uh, corrected or twenty degrees or less the visual field and I think I was, well, I definitely was above 20
0: because i was still driving you know which i see you know yeah that's and that's it gets that gets sometimes into
1: a a sensitive subject that i tell people i had a kid who was 16 and he had rp and he was on the threshold of legal blindness and he asked if he should get his license and I, i said well how do you get around now and he said his you know his friends drive him around i said well i can tell you from experience that it's very hard to give up once you once you get your license so For um, sure. if you're that close to the threshold you know you, you don't it's it's a huge relief not having that stress especially with the crazy drivers out there now <laughs> oh, yeah, texting exactly. you know so so I made it through uh, college without um, really even having to self-identify which I know a lot of people don't um, necessarily want to do um, Sure. but uh, you know my vision hung on for a little for a while but it, it was this i'm sure a lot of people you know have gone through similar issues where i'd wake up and look at the ceiling and i would see this the white from the ceiling just um, the, the eyelids like um, slowly shrinking um and then toward the end it was faster and faster and faster so uh, i ended up losing uh everything which is kind of rare for rp so i don't even have light perception wow so, uh, yeah and it you know i went from in my late 20s i went from twenty forty, like,
2: like i said i had central vision good central vision i went from 2040 to 2500 in, i think a month um, oh, wow that's
1: quick and then yeah and then you know I, I remember even before that i gave my car keys to my dad watched him drive it off i lost two jobs because i couldn't um i couldn't read much and I didn't have transportation. I didn't live in a town that had transportation. So, so you know, it's, a, it's something that's not unique, obviously, to, to me or, or most people. It's something we all go through, you know, who, who lose vision. It's like, it's a real adjustment. So, and again, I, you know, there weren't any sports or really, I didn't know anyone who was blind. I thought was the, I was the only one. So, um so yeah, it was it was it was difficult adjustments. So got through that. Worked in journalism. I worked uh, for a movie studio on a motion picture.
2: Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> in North Carolina, uh, moved out west to Portland
1: and did some skiing, uh, Mount Hood, uh, and then uh, moved to New York City after that. Um, and did and
0: started my own business doing um, transcription. So. Oh, I see. Very cool and uh so let's uh let's transition over to you know to to hockey to sports yeah um i know you've played blind hockey now for a few years i'm curious did you play any other sports before you found out about hockey and
1: no i didn't when i lost vision i i one of the things that was frustrating was you know i'm not a big treadmill guy so you know i just i missed running i missed kind of speed and all that kind of stuff so ended up getting a um uh, my family actually sent me a, a weight bench with weight, so I just started working out like a man. And then, but still, no, it was a little too isolating. Yeah. So um, in 2016, you know, I'd already moved here to the D.C. area, and that's when, um, you know, it's it's kind of a funny story, but uh, Craig Fitzpatrick, who's a you know, great guy, he he's really he lit the fire for blind hockey in the U.S. I, I would say he and Kevin Shanley out of New York, and Matt Morrow, who's the international blind hockey director in Canada. So Craig saw me. I went to a, a meetup <laughs> at, a, <laughs> at a local Irish pub, and yep. um, I was by myself. I had my white cane, and you know, I walked in there. And he, Craig has, um, you know, um, Stargard. So, but he, he, you know, he wasn't. Wasn't using a cane, but he saw me and he he saw my height, you know, basically like 6'4", 200 pounds. And he said, starts talking about blind hockey. (laughs) And I thought he was, (laughs) I thought he was like some smart aleck, you know. What what is he talking about? (laughs) Oh, yeah, okay. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Because when you think blind sports, you think hockey.
0: (laughs) You know, speed. Collisions, uh, yeah. A puck that puck that it's hard to see when you're excited. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so he's like, "No, no, there's a a tryout event over here where the Washington Capitals um, practice." And I'm like, okay, so like, yeah, you should come out. So I did, and I was wearing jeans. <laughs> I had no, no intention of trying anything. I just was like, I can't, I can't believe this, <laughs> and then. And then as soon as I walk in there, Matt Morrow, who's the international, Canadian, you know, and international director, he's taller than me, he's like six seven. he bear hugs me, grabs me, and he goes, Dougie, and pushes me in the locker room, and next thing I know, I'm sitting down there strapping goalie gear on me, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyway, um, they throw me out on the ice, and, um, you know, I'm like, what, this is crazy, and so, you know, about 65 people showed up. And it, it, what sold me really was they brought this kid. He couldn't have been more than four or five, usually impaired, you know. Mm. Put a stick in his hand and had the big metal puck that makes noise. And he shot it on me. And I'm like, wow, okay. I get it. I get it now. I get it. <laughs> it clicked right know, then. Yeah. It clicked because I couldn't imagine, you know, like I said, I was lucky playing... Fully engaged competitive sports like visual sport, you know that I, I, you know, I was lucky to have that that kind of teamwork and and experience and, and interaction. So, uh, knowing that that is a opportunity for young kids to uh, get, gain confidence and work with work in a team, I thought it was super. So, so it was exciting. And again, that was two thousand sixteen. So not. Well, four years ago, but I guess I'm considered a veteran of the team.
0: Wow! And let's uh, let's dive into you know the rules of the game, how how blind hockey is sure. actually played.
1: So, you know, I have um, two amazing teams that I'm on: uh, Washington Blind Hockey Club with uh, Coach Nick and Coach Melissa and, and um, Tina is our manager. All ages: boys, girls, men, women. Uh, which is a great thing about it, and then of course the U.S. team, national team, sure. super super people from all over the country. So what what the rules are are um, it's not a whole lot of adaptation from the regular thing, which is another thing that attracted me to it. So you you have the same ice, obviously the same size. Um, you have the nets are regulation nets in their width. So they're six feet wide, but instead of four feet high, they're three feet high because that when the puck goes airborne,
2: as you can imagine, it's hard to track. Yeah. So, so covering that big of an, you know,
1: that big of a net, um, is, is, is a real challenge. It's still a challenge, but the puck is, uh, about five and a half inches. It's a lot larger than a standard puck. It's, uh, uh, Full of, well, not full of. It. it has eight metal ball bearings in it. So if you can imagine, a oh, what's a John say? He says a um, like a like uh, one of those big big beefaroni cans or something. Like, <laughs> <that>. like <laughs> basically painted black, and and mm-hmm. so um, you have uh, three of your offensive players, two defenders, and the goalie, and that there's a point system. So if people know about blind sports, they know that there are the B3, there are B3s that have highest level of vision. They're usually the forwards and they have black helmets. Hmm. So they're easy to identify. The two defenders are usually B2, lower vision, um, you know, five degrees or less. And they uh, wear white helmets. And then the goalies have to be B1, which is either no light perception up to light perception, but Unable to see even hand movement in front of your face. So that's three, 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 nine, and then the two B twos, thirteen, and then the goalie is one. Counts as one point. So you you can't have more than fourteen points on the ice. I see. Meaning, you know what I mean? You could you so you could have a. In fact, we do this with with our Kevin Kevin Browner player. We have um he's a B one with the red helmet. And he'll get matched sometimes on the defensive line with a B three, uh, who has highest highest level position. Instead of two B twos, it'll be a B three and a B one. Gotcha. Oh, um, I see. So you can so you can do that. And then as far as the you know, you have to make the the offensive team has to make one clean pass in the offensive zone before they could shoot, which means tape to tape, you know, stick to stick pass. Because you can't, you can't just have a break, breakout, you know, breakaway and just one one on nothing against the goalie and just just smoke (laughs) him. So, um, because Canadians are really good at that, but so they blow a a separate electronic pass whistle, and that tells the goalie and the defense defenders that a shot is, and the offensive team that tells them a shot can come now. You know, it's and then they fire the shot basically. So, you know, the pass whistle, the net height, and offensive players can tap their stick on the ground to tell a player that they're in the area. The defense the defense team uh, the offenders can't do that. It's you know, they'll get a penalty if they try to distract, you know, confuse confuse somebody. So hmm. so yeah, those are the you know, those are the, the main differences.
0: Right. Very cool. I'm just so yeah. fascinated and and like you said, there's not there's not a ton of really, you know, significant adaptations to the you know, the game that, that we kinda know and love in terms of the NHL and you know, quote unquote regular hockey, which I think is really interesting.
1: No, and in, in the um, you know, we have uh, on both both the teams I play on, especially the national team, you know, we have some amazing not only people, um not only players, I should say, but they're even better people. Um, you know, we have players that play in college, um, players that thought their hockey career were, were over, and now they're re they're, they're energized. And the speed, people can look on YouTube and look up um, Team USA versus Team Canada. Just don't pay attention to the score, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, but you'll, you know, there are all comments, a bunch of comments that say, these guys are, you know, and women you know these people are blind no because it's so fast
0: yeah yeah Yeah, i know when i when i first heard about blind hockey i just like you said the speed i'm thinking wait a sec with the collisions and just how fast you're constantly moving you know it's it's one of those sports that's so unique in that way so that's it's just it's so amazing
1: yeah the puck you know the puck goes 50 60 miles an hour you know it's even though it's bigger and slower but Still hurts. <laughs>
0: anyway,
1: <laughs> when it hits you. But, but um, yeah. you know, and, and we get lucky as goalies, and, you know, sometimes, sometimes you'll glove one, which is a, is a really good feeling.
0: For um, sure. And I am curious okay. if you could talk a little more about your role as a goalie and yeah. you know, what's, what's your mindset, what's your approach, and then just throughout a, a game, you know, what are you kind of doing and thinking, and how do you prepare for, you know, the saves and whatnot? Well, I think as probably most
1: um, people start a sport, especially a blind uh, sport, you know, if they don't have a background in, um, well, especially any blind sports, it's like, take it takes some adjustments. So I can tell you when I first was involved, it was a, it was an, it was a demo game at the USA Toyota disabled hockey festival, which we have wounded warriors and amputees and, and, and sled hockey and some, and so, um, it was in Detroit and that was my first time in it on ice basically. And a bunch of Canadians came down from Toronto <laughs> who've been playing, you know, for, for, for years yep. and, um, I'm trying to track the puck, you know, it's, you, you sit there and you have to really pay attention where it is and, um, cause nobody tells you where it is. And so, um, Matt. Again, the international director's yelling at me to hug the post, and I'm, I'm clueless. And then, and then I, then you know, I, they pull me off the ice, and you know, I'm not even a great, wasn't a great skater at all. And I, I hit, I hit the door basically; it was open, but I, I um, hit it full speed and went right into the bench like a Superman pose.
0: Oh, jeez. <laughs> so,
1: so it was. I remember Matt going, "Oh my gosh, this guy's horrible." But, um, <laughs> So fast forward to our first international on Team USA against Team Canada. They were all excited. The Canadians, you know, they came down. They were all wearing suits. They mm. were really – this is their – they've been dying to have this for years to play somebody because they were just playing against each other. Yep. And as I'm in the net, um, I th- I'm pretty sure they ra- they did five wraparounds on me before I even knew what was going on.
0: So, oh, jeez.
1: Because <laughs> I, I had never – uh, practice that and were, I was not used to that kind of speed so um, so we were we were defending a lot uh, against them but um, you know so my the way I, the way I view my position is just um, again you know it's it's contrary to visual hockey and I'm kind of yelling at trying to get my defenseman positioned in front of me between me and the puck in sighted hockey. That's a no-no. You know, you do not want to block the goalie's vision, (laughs) right? Because he can't see the puck. But you know, I want somebody in front of me, obviously, because um, for deflections and all of that. So, but I take it very personally. um, I kind of look at it like somebody's trying to steal something from the back of my net, or or, you know, break into my house or whatever. So I try to keep Mm -hmm. everything in front of me. Um, And you're in the butterfly. People don't know that as you're on your knees and you you push from post to post, and um, you try to cut off angles. Um, rebounds are difficult because they'll hit you, and he, the puck will go silent for a bit. You know, and then a lot of communication. I, I'm yelling puck left, puck right, puck right, puck back, back behind the net, and my defensemen and offense, uh, my teammates are yelling also to help. Let me know if, if the puck's clear or if it's still in our zone.
0: So oh, I see because
1: that, that, when he, that's really helpful because when they yell clear, then I can take a break you know mentally from focusing and also exertion, and I get up on my skates and, and the pucks at the other end. So, but um, yeah, so those are kind of some of the mindsets of um, making yourself as wide as possible. You know, hoping you glove one, or you stick one, or you get your blocker on one. So, yeah, um, and it's it's strenuous. People don't think you work. You know, when you're looking at it, it looks like you're just kind of <laughs> like what is that that walrus on that commercial the Duncan? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just laying in front of them that. Sure. But it's all that gear is um,
2: yeah, you really sweat. So um, wow, mm-hmm. yeah, it's. But yeah, I'm really proud of, proud of my
1: teammates. And coaches Coach Mike and Niels and the U.S. team, and of course Doris Donnelly, our amazing team manager. And so, you know, I'm uh, I'm hoping this it's it's grown so fast it's um it's it's awesome. I mean, it went from five people at that Detroit triad, five Americans, I should say, and the rest were Canadians. To now, we're over, I think, 200 nationwide people participating um, in just what four years so yeah i'm super proud of all the effort and even in the commitment from the local nhl teams and um you know like all sports the biggest thing we need are sponsors because um, hockey is expensive
2: for sure
0: yeah and i know you mentioned as far as the nhl teams and that's that's something i have not really seen in other blind sports or you know, any kind of sports for people with disabilities, seeing, you know, the Minnesota wild, for instance, the St. Louis blues, yep. um, you know, putting their name on, on some of these, these blind hockey teams. I mean, it's such an awesome thing to see happen. It really is. And, um, you know, like, uh, two Bruins
1: actually, um, when we played, so we played Canada, we were supposed to play in June of this year, unfortunately COVID, um, Negated that in Las Vegas against Canada, and then we're supposed to play in St. Louis in October. That was that's been canceled. But we played them once in Pittsburgh um, at the Lemieux Center. In uh, the Penguins, they have they um, are behind their blind hockey team. And then we played in Toronto and then Ottawa, and the Ottawa uh, USA Canada series. Brad Marchand, very famous Boston Bruin. You know, watch was watching the game live on YouTube, and you know, people were saying that he was he was watching. And then um, hmm. my brother my brother got a text from from one of his uh, sales guys in Boston. He said, um, "Hey," he said, "Are you? Uh, I don't know anybody with the last name like that because I have an unusual last name, Goist." And so his his friend Charlie Coyle, who's um, Boston Brewing, happened to read an article on blind hockey you know, somewhere my name was in it. And so he asked if my brother was related to me and he goes, yeah, that's my brother. (laughs) So so it's cool that the, you know, even the, you know, these NHL guys are, are starting to get aware of it, which I think is awesome.
0: Yeah. That's, that's so neat. And just, Hey, any kind of support that a sport like this could get, you know, from the influencers and the movers and shakers within, you know, the hockey sport in general, you can't beat that. and, And, you know, for, for the kids and, even beyond
1: kids. So Canada has players all the way into their seventies. So mm. what I recommend just to anybody interested in the U S especially is, um, just look up, um, USA blind hockey, get in touch with somebody it could be doors. It could be somebody, and see if there is a, a regional uh, team somewhere in your area. And, um, if you have a local ice rink, they might donate ice time, but we, we encourage people. You, you don't have to play hockey. We call it a the tried events, um, adaptive skating, because some, you know, it's really cool to see somebody who has never seen and who's never um, put skates on to, to go out on the ice and feel what that's like gliding around, you know, on the ice. And so it could be something as as basic as that is fun. It's fun, and all the way up to you know if you feel more and more you know, um, or, or, uh, encouraged, then you can pick up a stick. So, um, it's, it's it, you know, we, they call it hockey is for everyone for a reason because it, it truly is. I mean, um, we have, like I said, that my, both my teams have, have exceptional people, and kids from, you know, eight years old all the way into 70 basically. So, wow. um, or sixty, or fifty, and again, men, women, boys, girls. So I think I think it's something that um, you know, maybe you won't want to 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 go every week, or, or you know, maybe your goal isn't to be on the national team, but just getting out and active and and mixing with other people, I think, is very important for your, um, you know, your mental health, especially with, um, you know, because as we all know uh, vision living in a sighted world is is sometimes frustrating oftentimes frustrating and and for sure so so um
0: you know getting out and about and mixing mixing it up and, and getting on a team or just around other people is really helpful definitely that's great advice I did want to ask you about the Paralympics and uh, just kind of your thoughts on, you know, do you think blind hockey has a chance at some point to actually get into the Paralympic Games?
1: You know, I I do. And um, my first uh, Canadian tournament I participated in before the national team was created, uh, I went to um, the Eastern Regional Blind Hockey Tournament in Toronto. And, you know, I was... I couldn't believe how many players from across Canada there were playing blind hockey and the skill level of these guys were, I mean, these are players that were headed to the NHL before vision uh, impairment. And um, the Matt, again, really the guy that's been pushing this worldwide. He's flown to Romania. He's flown all these different countries to try to, to spur this, you know, to grow the sport. But, you know, he was talking about, again, we were, U.S. was just beginning to do this. And he's like talking to his compatriots, basically. And he said, you know, south of the border, he's like, there's a whole, he's like, there is a beast just waiting to to be, you know, unleashed down south, you know, below the border. And that was, you know, he knew that um, that once USA got a hold of this um, and started growing, that um, it would pick up speed. Like I said, it's well over 200 now. But Matt and some others, um, you know, they got not Russia. Russia is um, creating a team already. Hmm. Finland um, and the UK. So we're shooting for 2026 Paralympics to be recognized as a sport. and In order to do that, you need to have four countries because obviously, you know, two on two,
2: you know, you can't have three around Robin really with three countries. So, right. um, so to have a
1: gold medal, uh, gold, silver and bronze, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that, um, that that'll happen. Um, unfortunately I feel really bad for the Paralympians for 2020 this year. And, um, you know, everything being canceled. So I think this COVID coronavirus is really, um, postpone some things it's it's um it's slowed things down unfortunately um but because uh, you can't you know it doesn't get exposure unless you're actually doing it so you know but thanks to guys like you um and others that kind of highlight these sports um it keeps the word out that you know this that this is this is a this is available um <laughs> we're, we're not like the nba that's potentially losing billions of dollars if they don't um, show it on TV but <laughs> right. um, but yeah it's, it's unfortunate so we're hoping to get back on ice probably not till next year and it's it's been very difficult for all of us to stay uh, focused for sure yeah because personally I need we we're supposed to have our training camp uh, in New York at Ut- in Utica another great city for hockey um, August 3rd 4th and, um, so I always put targets on dates, and so when that was wiped away, I was like, ah. <laughs> so it's, it's hard hard to stay motivated,
0: <laughs> no doubt, yeah, because I, I I think I told you I play beat baseball, and yeah, the World yeah. Series was supposed to be going on right now in Ames, Iowa, and I've played the last three World Series, and it's just it's wow. tough, you know it's it's tough to not have that annual thing that you're always, you know, mark circling on your calendar, like you said, and looking forward to and it's, it's just one of those things that, you know, hopefully next year we'll have at least a little more stuff going on. And
1: Do you know how many um, beat, beat baseball players are in the U.S.? Or?
0: Uh, several hundred, because I know there are yeah. probably about close to 30 teams around the country, beat baseball teams. And not all of them go to the World Series, but okay. rest, some teams have, uh, I'm sure, a good, you know, 30-plus players. Yeah. So. <laughs> wow yeah yeah and hey you know i'd love to see blind hockey at some point have uh you know those those competitions you know one team in one city playing against another city and would be awesome to see
1: yeah we have um i lost count but um a lot of the major major cities you know we have a one of my most favorite people uh blake uh steinica he's a kid um Young man, I should say, call him a kid. Sorry, Blake. Um, he's lives in San Diego and he surfs. Um, he, he's in, incredibly grounded as far as you know. He's dealing with sort of similar to my situation, but in worse in a lot of ways because his, um, he he had actually 2015 vision um, when he was diagnosed. But um, so he's a San Diego uh, guy and like um, he's. He started a whole, you know, blind hockey program out there. He and his dad, and um, um, you know, and he's he, you know, when he can't get on ice, he's on his rollerblades, and he's got, um, you know, a, a, a puck in his garage and so forth. So, um, yeah, it's uh, you know, people from all walks of life and, and all backgrounds, and um, some some pretty impressive. People are Captain Tim Kane played college hockey, and he's a Michigan guy. So, um, yeah, it's it's unfortunate that um, we're in this pause. But um, the important thing is everybody's staying uh, healthy. I, uh, yeah, actually, my niece had uh, was recovering from COVID. She's recovered, but uh, hmm. in, te- in Tennessee. But um, and she's young, you know, twenty.
0: 20 something so um so it's yeah it's i think it's you know it's definitely something that to to, you know athletics can can wait for a bit and um we'll be back just like beat baseball oh yeah that's what everyone just has to to remember that you know things will return and you know this is not forever
1: so no let's hope not and um yeah because i know um you know, once once people get the fire in them and they want get, to get going, they um, they, don't, they don't like to sit around. Um, and that's, uh, I'm sure all of us are in that, that situation because, uh, you know, I do joke sometimes. I'm like, well, one thing that somebody who's blind um, understands, it's like uh, self-quarantining sometimes. <laughs> it's like, it's... Like, it's and sometimes it's not as a big deal to us as maybe somebody who's used to driving around, you know, going constantly going around. It's like, yep. yeah, well, sometimes um, you know, maybe we're a little more resilient as far as handling, um, you know, having to having to uh, take a pause for 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 a minute from all the activity going on.
0: Exactly. That's a good point. Uh, before we leave here, I did want to briefly touch on uh, your work. I know that you work for the National Institutes for, or, sorry, National Industries for the Blind. And uh, if you could just talk about your role with NIB and then kind of what you do there.
1: Sure. No, I'm, I'm I'm happy to talk about that. So, um, you know, I, I moved to the D.C. area because, um, like I said, I, I lost vision suddenly. Uh, lived in New York City, which was very stressful. Um, and actually, September 11th happened when I was there, so that's a whole other hmm. story. Wow! But um, I, um, a friend of mine, she's like, uh, you know, it's uh, it's very walkable, especially Old Town where I live in uh, Alexandria. So I moved here, and I was I had my own business um, that was um, burning me out, frankly, and so. Didn't know that NIB, National Industries for the Blind, was literally uh, less than a mile from where I was living. <laughs> so I looked, I looked it up and got involved with the program um, as a, I guess you would want to call it, maybe like we was still doing my business, but it was like an internship. And so um, went in um, for this professional track, kind of uh, career track, and uh, um, helped them. Um, with some technology and some online stuff and then they they hired me full time after that so uh, I've been there now 10 that's yeah, 10 years and um, so now I'm a, a program manager in workforce development so we are really thankfully with technology because we're, you know I've seen all levels of technology from when it was just not so great all the way till now and it's come a long way a lot of people Sometimes you hear people really bashing that not enough is being done, but the, the advancements that a lot of companies have made, I, I try to recognize them for what they've done and, you know, at least made an effort to make things work and accessible. So with workforce development, we're really focused now on, um, you know, the, the kind of the cutting edge, the career paths that people might want to um, pursue. It could be in technology, it could be in uh, media, it could be. Uh, any different levels, and so you know, as you mentioned, uh, it's it's, always, it's been a challenge for all of us to get work. Uh, I could not get work when I uh, would show up in an office with my white cane. I mean, yes. first question was how do you how do you use a computer? We don't we don't know what to say here. So you know, it's still you know the statistics are seventy percent of people who are adult working age who are blind are not working. And whether people argue that number or not, I would argue that the ones who are—not all of them, but a significant portion—are underemployed, most likely. For sure. Um, meaning, meaning they they don't. Maybe they maybe if they work too much, it gets they lose all of their um, health coverage, so they can't really advance. And then, or they're um, being underpaid. So um, we're trying to change that with with um, we call it employment of choice so we have we have jobs at every level if you don't have a college education you don't want to work at a computer you know there are jobs across the country for that and then all the way up to you know, people with masters and PhDs' um, who are trying to find avenues um, for you know I probably I, I give <laughs> talks of, uh, quite a bit um like, I'll go to a company and, you know, and I'll ask people uh, when I talk about adaptive or assistive technology, I'm like, okay, who wears, clap your hands because I can't see you. So who wears glasses, right? You know, so they clap and, and I said, okay, the, um, those glasses that you're wearing are considered assistive technology. That is technology. So, you know, are you unemployable if I were to take your glasses or you left them at home and you go show up at work? Right. You know? and it's, it's like it's, it's trying to get sighted people to understand because you know I was in that situation I didn't have any experience I probably asked the same questions like how how does somebody blind um, work but but when they see that it's like oh yeah I'm, I just lost my glasses I can't I might need somebody to read something for me I'm like yeah exactly so um, it's just it's a big of a big part of its perception and um, also I, the thing I stress for people looking for work a lot is you've got to put the interviewer at ease because they don't want to have to ask the uncomfortable questions. So, you know, tell them how you work, tell them how you use your technology, tell them how you compensate. And you know that when they see that they're like, man, this person's overcomes obstacles. So that's exactly the kind of person we need
0: right yeah that's that's such a great point i know for example one interview i had when my vision was a little better and i was using a video magnifier i actually you know pulled that out during an interview and demonstrated it and you know i, I didn't end up getting that particular job but i feel like just showing that you know so they can actually see for their own eyes what types of technology and then you know equipment is out there is is so valuable yeah and you, and you probably
1: you know and for instance um my work building, you know, we, we have a geo fence around the building with I, the Ira uh, San Diego company with the visual agent service. So, sure. you know, get guests or employees um, could just pull up the app and just like FaceTime with a trained agent, they can, they can identify something or describe something or, or what have you. But even outside of that, you know, you have Microsoft's um, seeing AI with uh, it's crazy you have barcode readers and <laughs> facial recognition, and oh, yeah. it's, it, it's only getting better, um, which is great. And I think, you know, we just had the 30th anniversary of ADA. That's right. Which, um, you know, uh, we had a, a piece in our, we we put out a quarterly magazine called Opportunity Magazine, and there's a piece in there about it. And um, the strides that um, have come, from the, was at 1990 till now, and with with this coronavirus um, sh- shutdowns with telework, that in a, in a in an unfortunate but beneficial way, having everyone telework now has raised the um, uh, has eliminated that the need for accessibility uh, for all systems, work systems especially, but it also shows that people who are blind now, you know, they can work from home. I mean, once this technology's figured out, like Zoom, uh, they, they've they worked with making a, a accessibility a priority uh, yep. for a while. And so I think it opens the doors because not everybody wants to move to, like, where I live, which is crazy expensive the D.C. area. <laughs> sure. <laughs> or... San Francisco or New York City or, um, you know, they, they want to stay where they are because of the family support, or friends, but being able to work from home.
0: Exactly. That's, you know, that's all wonderful insight and, and great perspective there.
1: Yeah, it's. I'm, I'm really hopeful that um, we're going to get those numbers down and, uh, uh, you know, we got, we have you doing the Eyes Free Sports podcast, so we're getting people engaged and active because... You know, it, it's it's all chained together. You know, it's all hand in hand. Of you, you, keep your body active, you keep your outlook healthy, and then you get employed. That's the other piece It's the other half of it. So, um, you know, I remember <clears throat> it was a very strange question uh, somebody asked me. They were doing a research, um, some kind of research, uh, right when I started working, at i they were like. You know what? What are career? Go- what are career goals for blind people? And I'm like, um, the same as everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> like, like there's no, there's no difference. Like it's, right. it's just, um, it's. We all, we just have one physical component that happens to um, not work like everybody else's, but everything else is is identical. So. You know people want to work they want to have families they or not uh they want to um be
0: engaged for sure it. and just independence making a living for themselves just oh yeah no question and i think that's yeah that's
1: sure. that's that's a big part of it we have a oh, so many good stories we have a we had a young man who um we started program and he went through it he ended up getting hired by the government Uh, the air force Hmm. and he uh, asked his girlfriend to marry him at when he got a full-time job and they got married and uh you know another guy bought a house and for the first time you know so wow um so these these stories are getting better and better because you know i you know as well as i do back you know a number of years ago it was just you know the only option I had from my state counselor rehab counselor back then was I almost considered moving like, um, six hours away to take a, uh, insurance job at an insurance company answering the phone. I think it was like, um, uh, like $6 an hour, but mm. it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't call cause call centers are, um, advanced now, but this was just, uh, this was just the only option that, that, um, was out there it was literally just kind of answering the phone but uh you know now it's with technology and everything else people people get in in, in all different avenues um one day medicine well there, there actually is a I remember years ago reading about a first blind medical school graduate which I thought was amazing
0: yeah that's right yeah it's uh I, I think things are gradually getting there like you said you know it's we're still a ways away but we're we are making progress which is a great thing
1: yeah and i think um you know all of us need to be um, ambassadors like um from being on both sides of not knowing anyone with disability to being totally blind is um you know i, I make sure that i kind of interact with everyone so even when I'm uncomfortable that I'm the only blind person somewhere and, and what have you, and it's all cited and so forth. And, and it's, you know, eventually, you know, people will see past your disability. I think all of us can agree. Like the, one of the biggest compliments is like, <laughs> I don't know if you've had this before. I had, I had somebody hold up a uh, post-it note with, with a, I was on the phone and they were holding it in front of my face because they wrote down the number because someone was trying to get a hold of me. Right. And and, and she's like, oh my gosh, I forgot you were blocking <laughs> So, <laughs> so I, was, I, was, I, I took that and, I, and then she felt bad. I was like, no, I said, no, that, that tells me that you you're not like, oh, uh, you know. Uh, this this guy I have to do everything for, him or I have to, you know, that kind of. So
0: it was. Oh yeah, it's so um, not even real, or just forget. I mean, that that kind yeah, of. It's, it's yeah, it's when
1: people forget. Yeah, that, that that's when you know you're making an impact. So uh, no doubt. It's and, and it will disappear eventually. One day that you know you'll have people in an office, and it's just like, oh yeah, yeah, that person's blind. Oh, uh, that person's you know uh, hearing impaired. That person's in a wheelchair. No, nothing unusual here so right um, but uh, it's you know it's it's a long time coming just because you know the, the history of the world and everything else that um, you know and, and, and you, you can still see it in developing countries and third world countries that you know they they don't have opportunities and they're kind of hidden and, and so forth so exactly. well, but that's getting better too so slowly
0: for sure yeah okay well uh doug again we've been chatting with doug goist and uh doug i just want to thank you for joining us here on ice free sports really appreciate the time the insight on blind hockey and employment and uh all your other interests so thanks so much hey greg i really appreciate um uh yeah your
1: your invitation and then um wish you only the best with the podcast i think it's awesome and um thanks for for everyone for listening and and your patience i know Uh, um it's it's a lot of areas to to get into and and um we all have our own our, our own story so um just next time when we all get out of this coronavirus just pull up youtube and you know look up usa hockey look up your local teams and cheer on uh greg and his uh beat baseball team for the world series and um and uh, just yeah feel free to reach out to to anyone and uh, again I, I really appreciate it and on behalf of everyone on my teams um you know we couldn't do this without the support so thank you
0: be sure to follow the ice free sports podcast at facebook.com slash sports and on twitter at eyes free
2: sports